say i have tried most drugs yeah most, so what's, with, with a few big exceptions heroin uh okay so heroin oh jesus christ well, no 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 i didn't i didn't inject heroin or anything <laughs> but i did take a little bit of heroin on accident somebody told me it was something else like it was not funny or or pleasurable at all that sounds funny to me, but I don't know what happened. So. Uh, wow. So I don't know how you take heroin by accident. That seems strange to me. One time I drank well, coffee. Well, I, like if somebody would have said, this is heroin, I would not have taken it. Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it snorted? Yes. Okay. So you thought it was cocaine. It was actually heroin. Yes. And it was awful like it's it's so hard to describe to people because i can i 100 percent understand why people get addicted to it but it's not pleasurable like it's it's i i don't know i do it, it doesn't make sense have you ever been on morphine yeah. like injected morphine yes um i had to because i was in the hospital once but um that was pretty awesome it's like that, but like way, way stronger, if that makes sense. Yeah, I probably wouldn't want anything stronger. Yeah. I just like, felt nice and drowsy and nice and warm <clears throat> and just wanted to go to sleep. That's all I wanted. I was going to say, I thought it reminds me of like, kind of like when you're, you're real, real sick, but not like the bad parts of being sick. Mm -hmm. Like... Like you just you feel like you could go to sleep and sleep forever if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's it's really odd. Cocaine's a much better drug. <laughs> that would be if I was having to recommend one. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Is this what, is this what our show is going to be now? Just recommending the best drugs to people. <laughs> I would recommend not doing any drugs. I was a foolish twenty-year-old man. Did many a thing. Never did meth. Never smoked crack. That's good. <laughs> this should be the default situation for most people, I would hope. That, they definitely should. Never did. I, I was never a prescription person, so I didn't do a lot of like over-the-counter drugs or anything like that. Mm. Opo opioids are so popular now, they killed off Roseanne using them. Right. It's amazing how much all this drug talk is making me wish I had a beer in my hand right now. <laughs> Oh, they're talking about their vice. I wish I had my vice. <clears throat> yeah, alcohol is yeah. a much safer option. Do I need? Do I need to edit all that out now? I don't give a shit. <laughs> okay. I don't then, then it will stay. It'll be a uh, a warning to all future generations listening. I'm not. I'm not in <laughs> denial of the person I once was. <laughs> no, that's cool. You're much more. Uh, uh, I don't want to say free spirit, but I don't know. I, I've never even reckless. smoked. Reckless is the word. <laughs> reckless. 
I've never even smoked a joint, and I really have no desire to, so I'm pretty bland. I'll, I'll tell you the weirdest thing. So, like, I've, I smoked pot all through high school and stuff, like like most people, I would say. Mm. Uh, and the funny thing is I, I can remember, like, enjoying it and actively seeking it out. But the last time I smoked pot was probably, I was, like, 25. It was probably, you know, a, a solid decade ago or something. And it was awful. I hate it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I don't. I don't understand. I was like, "How did I ever enjoy this? This is terrible." Hmm. But you, Doug, you want to share any of the uh, illegal things you've done? No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, your country just legalized marijuana. So, yeah, I did see a pretty funny meme. Uh, it was like, a... <laughs> "All right, calm down. It wasn't that funny. I haven't even told it yet." I coughed. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> you were you're laughing so hard you were coughing. That's that's how I took it. Um, it was like a Google shot, like Google Earth, like a shot of the entire North America, and there was just like clouds all over Canada, but all the rest of the sky was clear. And it said like the day marijuana was legalized in Canada. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious, as you could tell by how I told it. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely, if you really want to get a laugh out of somebody, describe a picture you saw. That's yeah. the best way to do it. Take a visual <laughs> gag and then put that into words. That's what, that's what makes people really laugh. <laughs> the, uh, the best meme I saw is it was like an Onion article or something that basically said 24 hours after legalizing marijuana, Canada pays off its entire national debt <laughs> or something like that. And then it says it has a quote. It's like Justin Trudeau was quoted as saying, yeah, I told you, suck it, you fucking squares. <laughs> <laughs> there was like every province's <coughs> were like running out on the first day. And it was like, that was the joke the day before legalization. And then it was like the panic the day after legalization. <laughs> <laughs> like Canada ran out of weed. Send people down to Colorado. Yeah, they ran out of legal weed. Don't well, yeah. It's not like people threw out their existing stashes, I don't think. No, no. You saw a lot of people. Question is, I wonder I wonder who the person that's gonna come out on top of all this is because all these a whole bunch of people went from being nobodies to being fucking billionaires overnight with the station stuff. And eventually you know somebody's gonna McDonald's the shit out of pot. (laughs) I don't know who it is. But someone's going to do it, and they are going to be a fucking bajillionaire. Well, there's, yeah. there's a lot of well-off people who are aligning themselves with various marijuana companies. For like, All of our former prime ministers are like on the board of directors for various pot companies. <laughs> and Snoop Dogg bought into a company right near where I live, and all the Canadian celebrities are all associating themselves with different ones. So. Man, I wonder how you can do that. Wonder if I could like, hey, I got like two thousand dollars. I want to put in your store, which is like, you know, nothing money. And they'll be like, here, now, now you have like a million dollars. Like, just like that's how it works with pot now. It's just being traded on stock exchanges up here now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to buy buying weed futures, yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> yes, uh, futures in the company that makes weed. Hmm. I'm going to have some thinking to do. I'll be yeah. like, hey, I've never smoked weed and don't really care about weed, but uh, I, would, I like money, so how do I make this work for me? 
<laughs> just ask a pothead that and see how that goes for you. <laughs> just got one quick question. How do we get some of this money? <laughs> That's how it would be. I'd be like the biggest square ever. Which I don't have a problem. Like I say legalize it because then... Yeah, who gives like, a shit? Especially fucking Illinois, who, which is broke as shit right now. So it's like, legalize that shit. You know how much money it would bring in? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> my, my argument is there's, there's only two ways to look at it. It's either, like, alcohol should be illegal along with, like, every fucking thing else that gives you the slightest bit of buzz, or mm-hmm. pot should be legal. It's, it's one or the other. Because yeah. it, it's fucking stupid that I can go and get fucking tanked and accidentally kill somebody, but f- fucking smoke a little bit of pot. And basically, you have less risk, but it's more dangerous for some reason. It's just the whole thing's fucking stupid. Well, I had always heard, and this is the conspiracy theories that I've heard, that it was like the tobacco industry lobbying against it, because obviously that would probably greatly cut into the amount of money they make. I think that was part of it, but I most of the books and stuff I've read pretty much say it's it's just racist stuff like it was designed to put black people into prison like that's what they yeah do. there's that too yeah well, yeah and there's there's actually stuff on the record about not just black people but anybody who tends to vote sort of left wing that's mm-hmm. why the right wing people were all war on drugs was get those people with criminal records and various places that could impede their right to vote so that's mm-hmm. just factual whether yeah you know, yeah I mean, obviously, the laws against drugs were already on the books when the war on drugs started, but that, yeah. that was a just, big part of why they went that route. Yeah, just a way to harshly enforce them to make sure they can do what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and then about the time that for-profit prisons started raising their head, all of a sudden mandatory minimums became a thing. That's not suspicious. I don't think it's suspicious at all. It's <laughs> what happened. God, everything's such a mess. Oh, it's not like people, bombs are going off all over your country or anything. <laughs> well, technically, hey, there's hey, no hey. bombs going off. I was going to say, none of them went off. We just have some crazy Trump supporter sending bombs through the mail who can't spell the name Wasselman. <laughs> Sure, that's what that's what you say. But according to my sources, it's a false flag operation, conveniently designed to get people voting Democrat in November. Uh, yeah. I just I heard all about it. So there's, there's this thing about, and, and I'm going to say right wing, but I don't necessarily mean precisely right wing because there's lots and lots of people who are Republican for various other reasons. But there is a humongous chunk of their voting block that. If you present them with fucking evidence right in their fucking face of something, they will deny it to the ends of the earth, but you give them one stupid little fucking conspiracy theory that agrees with their point of view of life, and they are all over it. Like, that's, that, that is 100% the truth. It doesn't matter that there's no evidence. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Conspiracy theory, that's, that's the true thing. I have, a, I have an aunt who believes in chemtrails. <laughs> We're just going down the rabbit hole to start off this episode. Uh, We're scrapping well, globalists. I mean, it is Halloween, so. 
we got to talk about something scary. And at the moment, there is nothing scarier than American politics. <laughs> this is true. Uh, well, let's do this instead. <laughs> Doug, I know you had a question about one of the movies that we are reviewing tonight. So why don't you tell us about Trick or Treats and then let us know what your question was. Um, you, you want to know the plot of Trick or Treats? Yeah. What little of it there is. Yeah, okay, so uh, this really mean woman has her husband committed to a mental asylum so that she can date a rapist. Four years later, we learn that she's also a terrible mother because she's going to fly to Vegas with the rapist and turn her kid over to a babysitter she's never met overnight. <laughs> um, hey, she works for an agency. Coincidentally, the same night, the dad decides to try cross-dressing for the first time and break out of the asylum. Uh, so for about an hour and a half, we watch this shitty little kid play pranks on uh, just this babysitter who's way too old to be doing babysitting for a living. And then uh, the dad shows up and they have a small confrontation that's rather meaningless and pointless. I think we're still on a roll with every movie we watch that has a little kid in it, I'm so pissed off that that kid doesn't die. <laughs> Man, I wanted that kid to fucking uh, die. The funny thing is, like, the first part of the movie, he's, like, pulling these pranks that I don't even consider, like, that big of a deal. And this babysitter is just, like, pissed beyond belief. Like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to her. He does keep faking his death. Well, yeah. <laughs> he does fake his own death like five yeah. times in the movie. Yeah. But I feel like up to the one where he faked drowning in the pool, most of them weren't like horrible. And it's like, haha, come on, it's Halloween. Those are tricks. And I'm just like, yeah, it's not that bad. I, I do agree. <laughs> Faking drowning in the pool from that point forward, it was pretty obnoxious. But it felt like that crossed a line. Yeah. Like, when he fakes having his head cut off with a guillotine, it's like, well, that's something kids would do if they had access to a fake guillotine. <laughs> but Yeah, and she, she's, like, immediately pissed about everything. This kid breathes, and she's just like, ah, fuck this kid. Oh, what the I fuck? That kid is a little piece of shit. She's he right. becomes he a piece died. of shit. She should have killed him. That's how this movie should have ended. Uh, Drag but... him out to the pool and drowns him for reals. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I just found something on Vanity Fair. Trump threatens to pull NBC off the air over scathing story. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's about right. Uh, right. So, Back so to we'll, shitty movies. They're so well, much happier. I'll say, I'll say this little kid. Maybe he's like a, a mini Donald Trump in this movie. Yeah, that's about right. Kind of has the haircut. He's overweight. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiled, <laughs> spoiled little fat fucking brat. His teeth don't fit in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, I'll just say overall, I thought this movie was very boring. <laughs> I do like that Doug keeps referring to David Carradine, who does show up for a brief moment as a I rapist, was, because oh, he's not far off. <laughs> I was I was very excited about David Carradine because this movie, I was like, if nothing else, David Carradine. <laughs> yeah, so literally David Carradine's role in this movie is like, the wife goes upstairs and she's like, okay, we're leaving for Vegas soon. He goes, okay, well, since we're getting in the car in five minutes, I'll mix us <laughs> drinks. 
<laughs> he goes downstairs, he sees the babysitter, goes, oh, are you the babysitter? And starts ripping her clothes off. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is happening? And she's like, oh, you. And zips her thingy back up. Or whatever she's wearing. Jumper. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> After embarrassing myself using the term halter top, like last episode or whatever it was, <laughs> I'm not making any declarative statements about the clothes. I feel like there are way too many movies where David Carradine attempts to be sexual. And it is unpleasant. <laughs> I, I like David Carradine a lot. I like most of his movies. But man, anytime he's trying to hit on a lady, you're like, ew, stop it, David Carradine. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, but but now that we know how he died, too, it just makes it even worse. True. In this movie in particular, too, it's a little weird because you've got this couple that look like they're in like their fifties, and then you've got like the hot young babysitter, and then we got to watch like the old couple like making out of the and like him acting all creepy and weird, and you're like, but you have young attractive or younger attractive people in your movie, like have them do the weird sexual stuff if you wanted to spice up your horror movie a bit, that'd be fine. No, they just keep teasing that her boyfriend's going to come over once his play is done with. I know. That, that apparently he keeps getting breaks from and calls her like every five minutes. <laughs> In the middle of his play, he calls her. You found that unusual? <laughs> Slightly. Did I'm you not, sure that's, I'm not I, sure that's how plays work. I did appreciate the fact that they went way out of their fucking way when writing the script to get her out of normal clothes and into some fucking nighty <laughs> slip that she has to wear for the rest of the movie. She just jumps in the... Okay, well, let's stop here for a second. This addresses the question that I... So you're telling me those were normal clothes that she was wearing throughout most of the movie? Because that was the question I sent to you guys via the chat. I never got a proper answer. I said, is she in a costume or is this just the 80s? And you I think guys, it's, I think it's, I think it's guys, just the 80s. You guys think that that's just how people dressed in the 80s? I accept that. I don't know. Yeah. I was four years old when this movie came out. I don't remember. Little dress. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. especially because she's an actress, and this leads me to believe they're in California. Okay, so it's probably it leads me to believe she has to get her clothes off quick. Is where I thought you were going. With that, <laughs> <but>. <sighs> okay, so you're saying that's normal clothes? All right. Yeah, I think that's just a normal. Like I said, I think it's a jumper or a romper or whatever the fuck they're called. I don't know. And then I would say this is one of those movies where. Uh, the term horror movie applies to it very loosely. Oh my god, so loosely. This is it's not a horror movie until literally the last ten minutes of the movie and, and even then. Yeah. No, this movie markets itself as a slasher. And so that's what I thought we were gonna get in for. And the setup is perfect for a slasher. And then instead it's just a movie about a kid playing pranks on his babysitter and you're like, gives a shit. Like what like it's not even that the pranks are bad. It's just that's all the movie is. <laughs> Just this kid playing. It's like, okay, the first two are kind of funny. Now cut away to the slashery part of the movie. And you're like, nope. It's just the dad wandering around town in a dress. Well, in the dad, the whole escape from the insane asylum and, and all the shenanigans he gets into, it's too fucking funny. <laughs> oh, How no. are you supposed to build any menace? You can't be, even whenever he shows up to the house and starts killing people, you can't be afraid of him because he's this stupid dipshit who escaped by dressing like the biggest butch lesbian I've ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> and then robbing some homeless men of their clothes. And it's literally like all the scenes, 
like what this movie should have been is it should have been the kids playing pranks on the babysitter and the dad is gets out of the insane asylum and is slashering his way across town killing people on the way back to the house that's what this should have been but instead every time the dad has an encounter with somebody it's like a guy hitting on him because he's even though he's clearly just a man in a dress there and it's halloween night they all still think he's a woman and it's like what is happening like, why is he killing all these people the one guy hands him a bottle, and I'm like, that's perfect. He'll break the bottle and stab him with it. He does no such thing. He lets that guy wander away. <laughs> Why would you have this? Like, what is the purpose of this movie? Why is there nobody getting killed in this movie? It's 1980 fucking two. It's two years after Friday the 13th and four years after Halloween. How do you not know that his job is to kill everybody on the walk from the insane <laughs> asylum to the fucking house? I feel like you could either replace him or the babysitter. Uh, with John Candy. <laughs> and number number one, this movie would be infinitely better. And number two, number two, the tone would not change whatsoever. <laughs> if, John, if, if this movie, you take the dad out of it entirely and you just have it be about John Candy showing up to babysit this kid whose creepy parents are flying off to Vegas for no reason, hmm. that's a funny movie. I'd watch that. <laughs> exactly. No problem. Isn't yeah, that Uncle Buck? It's something like that. <laughs> it's like, but I like that would be great. But this is supposed to be a horror movie. Where the fuck is the horror? Yeah. Like, like this box art does not sell me on a movie that's about a child playing pranks on a babysitter. Yeah, I would say the only the only scenes of the movie that even come remotely close to being like slashery or horror is whenever the friend comes to drop the stuff off, and they've left the house, and she's kind of like alone in the dark house with the killer wandering around. It starts going into every room for a house she's never been in. Right. Yeah. It's like if your friend's not answering, she's obviously not here. Leave the tape on the counter and leave. Yeah, like I don't know. But by then did you care? Like, no. <laughs> like by then I was just like, Is this over yet? Honestly, okay. I watched this at work, so I mean I was like working while it was on. Oh, and that's even th- a little jealous. <laughs> even the yeah, it actually made it a little bit probably a little bit more tolerable, but even then, I was like, holy shit, I feel like this movie has been on for three hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, again, like, nothing was happening in the movie. It's like, it's not that, it's not that what they did was bad. It's not that the pranks weren't a little bit funny. It's just watching a kid do pranks over and over again isn't a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, the the twist ending where the kid goes crazy like his dad. <laughs> that was terrible. The kid was fucking crazy the whole movie. How is that a twist? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is whenever I was like, well, he's going to pop up with the knife and then he pops up with the knife and I was like, see you bitch. You should have killed that little kid. I told you. <laughs> Has a chance. Should have held him under the water. Shoved his fucking arm in the food disposal. Little piece of shit. <laughs> You can tell Noah's now a week removed from his vacation. He's no longer relaxed. Yeah, he's just back to being surly. Stupid, stupid Trump doing <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping we found like some weird like '80s gem that like everybody kind of forgot about. But yeah. now I realize now they forgot about it for the simple reason that it kind of blows. Yeah, it it was really unfortunate because as the movie was setting up, I'm like, this is a perfect setup for a slasher. There's mm-hmm. lots of potential here. As long as the kills are fun, I'm going to enjoy this. And then when no kills came, I'm like, but 
what am I supposed to enjoy now? That's <laughs> like I feel like we're just talking in circles. We just keep saying Noah says the kid should have died, and then I and then you and I could say complain about there not being enough kills, but that's all this movie was. Yeah, I would I would yeah. like to say that this is one of those movies that if you watched it with a group of friends, you'd probably have more fun, but I don't think it is. No, it isn't really enough stuff to laugh at. Maybe you could turn it into a drinking game, and every time that kid does something assholey, you take a shot. <laughs> You'd be hammered. You'd be so drunk by the end of this movie if you did that. So, who do you think is more annoying, the kid from this movie or Bob from the House by the Cemetery? Man, he's giving Bob a run for his money. <laughs> but I, I probably still got to go with Bob. Bob's like, well, let me. At least this kid is supposed to be annoying, right? That's very true. So, I don't know if that helps at all. I don't know if that makes it better. Or worse. I don't even know which side I was arguing for there. Who's uh, who's creepier, this kid or the uh, weird man-child thing from uh, Burial Ground? Mommy, mommy, I don't know. Do you remember been, when you used to breastfeed me, mommy? It's been too long since I've seen it, so for right oh. now, it's this kid, but... That movie could gives me fucking nightmares because of that weird man-child in that movie. It's freaky. I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to go ahead and add that to the list because I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, my God. He's a horrible mutant man. Yeah. Basically, basically he's already, got. He convinced me. I don't have to sell it. To I'm, me. I'm trying to remember what's wrong. He's got some kind of a disease, and the actor, if I remember right, is actually like 30 in the movie, and he's playing like a 10 year old, hmm. and it's it is uncomfortable. <laughs> and there's some weird incesty shit going on, and it's not it's not cool. It's a good movie though. <laughs> um. All right. Does anybody else have anything else to say? No, this, this movie's garbage. Skip it. This, yeah, this movie's garbage. Don't even yeah. waste your time. Yeah, no. <laughs> really pointless. If you really, really like watching children play pranks on people, you can probably YouTube clips from this and see that. But I don't know why you'd want to watch that. <laughs> uh, just watch Problem Child instead. It's you're probably better That's off. So bad. I can't think yeah. of a single like redeeming thing in this movie because I want to be like, you know, there's some good boobs in it or something, but no. No. You only get to see like half a boob through a floral shower curtain in the very beginning. Yeah. You mean the part where she takes the phone call about her babysitting job in the shower? Yeah. Because yeah. keeping in mind that this is 1982, so if you're trying to picture this, <laughs> it's literally she's just got a corded phone sitting on the table beside her shower, and she reaches out and answers it. And they're like, you're going to have to babysit tonight. You don't have any choice. And she's like, I can't make it tonight. And they're like, well, then you won't be allowed to be a babysitter anymore. <laughs> Which I don't know how big a threat that is to people, but. <laughs> She's part of an agency, Doug. That's guaranteed I money. I don't get it at all. I don't understand what was going on there. And then were, you, were you thrown off about halfway through the movie when suddenly it cuts to two film editors talking about horror movies? Yep. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Like, did, is there some weird meta thing that, like, the filmmaker just broke in halfway through and is like, we understand this movie is awful. But I'm just like, no, they're, they're literally going to spend time talking about, like, what horror movies goes, are supposed to be. It goes deeper than that because it cuts, it cuts away from the movie to them. Then it cuts from them into the movie that they're editing. Yeah. 
It's like degrees, yeah. and it's like it, the thing is, I all I remember is as those two movie editors are talking in the background, there's like real movie posters, and I kept thinking, I wish I was watching one of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember what they were now, but I remember thinking, like maybe when this is over, I have time to watch that. <laughs> yeah, because there's no setup for who they are or why they're even in this movie. No. It just cuts to them, and I'm just like what the fuck is going on? And then after this scene, after them talking about horror movies, after them cutting to the movie that they're editing, which is a schlocky horror movie that I would probably actually rather watch. Uh, after all that, it cuts to, Oh, our main characters in the movie they're editing. And she calls them to get her scene put on a videotape so she can give it to her agent or whatever. Yeah. But I'm just like, Wow. Thanks for letting us know what was going on before you got to that scene. It is just, it's the strangest thing too, because it's like, it's several minutes of them discussing horror movies. And you're like, but that, that's not relevant to what's going on in this movie. No. And it's, if anything, you're drawing my attention to the fact that I wish I was watching a slasher and that's not what this is. Don't, don't draw my attention to that. You don't want me thinking about slashers while I'm watching this movie. God, were they just like, like this movie is going to be so good that we should like have a frank discussion about horror movies in the middle because we're making the best horror movie ever. Is this supposed to be a parody film? Is that what they think? I have no idea. I don't know. It's so weird. I did like that the insane asylum when they, uh, went to pick up the dad at the beginning sent like what appeared to be twins to get him <laughs> that's the i don't know why this popped into my head but speaking of scenes that just stood out as being ridiculous in the movie that opening scene where they like have to tackle the guy into the pool in order to get him to <laughs> go to the insane asylum that was the that was probably the best scene of the movie it was just so ridiculous i know i'm just like what is she doing like is she gonna have a three-way with these obviously 70s porn stars or what's going on and then suddenly oh they're from an insane asylum that apparently you can just say i want you to commit my husband to an insane asylum yeah. like i don't feel like he was showing any like insane tendencies but later I, they're like oh my god insane person just escaped from the mental asylum i really to the i watched this whole movie i paid as much attention as i could I have no idea if that guy actually had any mental problems or if his <laughs> wife just stuck him in an insane asylum. <laughs> so I also have weird. no idea why he wasn't allowed to wear pants when he was in the insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to help your your mental state. Just let him wear pants, man. God. This movie, <laughs> this movie has so much what, what the fuck about it. I just don't even know what the fuck's going on. It's, it is, it is like it is the setup for a porn when they show up and they like, and she's like, "Come on in!" And these two guys come in with their white boy afros and their giant mustaches, <laughs> matching outfits, and you're just like, "All right, I guess that's what we're in now." And then, nope, they're just here to arrest the husband for. They're gonna take him into custody because he's sitting out back reading the paper, and who does that? I mean, <laughs> that's so weird. <laughs> yeah yeah she doesn't want to be married to that guy but she wants to hang out with david carradine who randomly unzips women's clothes and f without asking first and not only that but i get the impression that she's financially supporting david carradine yeah but somebody's like how did you get this house he's like let's just say i inherited it 
because he moved in after the <laughs> owner of the home got taken to the insane asylum and kept there for four years <laughs> while showing no signs of being dangerous to others. Uh, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, fuck this movie. Yes. <laughs> don't watch it. No, no, no. Don't watch this movie. No one thinks you should watch this. If you if you watch this movie because you knew we were going to be uh, covering it, like, I... I other than sorry, I don't know what else to say. Uh, jokes on you. Yeah, this should have been our April Fool's episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross. Yeah. All right. Well, we did. We picked these movies because they were set on Halloween, and we yep. did pick us another movie, which is also set on Halloween. Uh, so, Doug, why don't you tell us about Night of the Demons too? Which, I mean, at this point, has to be cinematic gold compared to what we just talked about. Comparatively speaking. <laughs> yeah. Um, why, why do I have to do two plot summaries? This is bullshit. Oh, uh, did you? Oh, that's right. Noah, t- tell us about <laughs> uh, Night of the Demons 2. I was going to make you do it because I know that you fell down the rabbit hole and you ended up watching all three movies. You know I did. Uh, <laughs> so tell us about Night of the Demons 2. So... Night of the Demons 2 basically follows the plot of Night of the Demons 1. A, a group of teens decide to uh, go to a... Uh, well, I guess there's a little more to it. So they're at school. It turns out they're going to school with... Uh, is it Angela? Is Angela her name? Am I crazy? Yeah, yeah Angela. Uh, Angela, the, the creepiest demon from the first movie. Uh, her sister goes to school with them. They decide that since they're banned from going to their shitty prom in a room the size of a shoebox thing, mm-hmm. that they're going to instead go to Hull House, where the murders took place. Bum, bum, bum. And for good measure, they're going to bring the sister unaware and, and basically torment her because people are fucking terrible. <laughs> You're uh, not wrong. They get there. They start being terrible. And uh, demons start possessing people and kill everyone. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Pretty much it. There's a stream underneath a wall. If you forgot from the first movie, <laughs> which I did. So you forgot the part about them bringing lipstick back to the school so the demons can follow them out because the lipstick. Oh yeah, yeah. Angel escapes. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, if you hide in lipstick, you're able to cross over that. <laughs> underground stream and escape from this uh, whole house. That makes complete sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So I would say I would say Demons 2 goes the route of Evil Dead 2. Mm-hmm. Where while the first movie is a horror movie with some comedy in it, I would call Demons 2 a comedy horror movie. Mm, I wouldn't argue that. In, in which I think it's it works. It works perfectly fine, and as I was saying from watching all three of them right in a row, it has the most consistent fucking mythos of any fucking horror series I've ever seen. I will say that I was completely caught off guard by the fact that this is actually a sequel to Night of the Demons. I'm like, <laughs> like as soon as I started realizing they were tying in characters from the other <sighs> list, I'm like, what, really? Like, you yeah. actually expect, like, a 1994, I assume, direct-to-video sequel to an 80s horror film and you expect everyone to still have like all of the mythos intact and understand the rules and stuff that seems almost unfair 
Like, aren't you just supposed to be telling a completely unrelated story but stealing the title? They do, they do save money by stealing footage from the first movie and putting it into the second movie. Oh, really? And I'm actually, I'm a little bit okay with it because, once again, they were trying to keep it consistent. And they do the same thing with the third movie. Again, they use some of the same footage from the first two movies in the third movie, again, just to keep them... Like the the scene in the basement where you see the furnace, mm. like the the furnace is from the first movie. Obviously, they can't shoot in the same location every fucking time because these are low budget ass movies. Well, from what I understand, they did shoot in the same house. Did they uh, see, from that, the from cool. the first one? <clears throat> but like I said, it's real. They're so fucking. Did you guys watch the other ones? Uh, I did not get a chance. To, I kind of wanted to, but I I was busy this week and I get a chance to. But I will say, uh, I don't know, I guess slightly jumping ahead, I ended up really liking this movie. And I actually want to sit down and actually watch all three of them right in a row. I will say that there is a drop in quality in the third movie. Yeah. But the, the Angela chick, who was the same in the first two, same in the third one. She comes back. Mm-hmm. Same actress, same rules, same house. Like... <laughs> Well, the house is different. It looks different in the third movie, but it's supposed to be lived in. Ah, gotcha. In the interest of fact, the one room in this house looked lived in when the one couple breaks off to go have sex. For some reason, that particular room has like a made-up bed in it with sheets and everything. Made-up bed with like satin sheets and yeah. Yeah, it's the only room in the house that's not just covered in dust. But, I mean, lots of boobs, good special effects, yeah. good violence. Yeah, I'm the on board for all that. The makeup effects in this movie were really good. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever there was a demon on screen, this was a, like a really good horror movie to watch. Some of it is a little bit more comedic. Um, any of the dialogue that happens when there's no demon on screen, pretty rough. But that's okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I think so, the, the biggest thing you lose in the second movie versus the first movie is Linnea. Yeah. Well, you you lose a bit of the '80s aesthetic, and it's replaced with a '90s aesthetic, and that's a a problem for low budget horror movies. <laughs> they just aren't as much fun from the '90s as they were in the '80s, especially not this like this type of movie. Like I said, the, the special effects on the and on the demons themselves pretty good. The uh, characters trying to spout clever dialogue when they couldn't afford a good writer or afford good actors. Problematic. How'd you guys like the titty hand scene? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, this one girl just we're like, oh man, she's gonna show her boobs. And not only does she show her boobs, but they like reach out and grab this guy. It's fucked up. <laughs> You gotta wonder who comes up with stuff like that. You're just like, how do you... What's wrong with the brain of the guy who wrote that scene? Uh, He's badass is what he is. Um, Anybody recognize uh, Christine Christine Taylor? No, I agree. Look up who Christine Taylor is. Uh, She, I think, either the next year or the year after would go on to play Marsha Brady in the Brady Bunch movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's I now did not. 
This is now famous for being married to Ben Stiller. She's famous for it? That's... Yeah. I think it's one of those they got married and then like they got pregnant. And then it's sort of like, well, I'm Ben Stiller and make a lot of money. So I should probably keep doing that. And you should maybe take care of the kids. Randomly enough, they make a crack and call her Marsha in the movie. If you pay attention. Yeah, <laughs> which is in the trivia that it's kind of funny because the next year she actually does play Marsha. <clears throat> That's funny. I didn't notice her. That's weird that I didn't notice her. I would thought I would have recognized her. Mm. Yeah, she was like the the bitchy blonde one. Yeah, I I, I, I just didn't recognize the name because the, the funny thing is she popped up and I was like. Am I getting ready to see Marsha Brady's boobs in this movie? That would be weird. Sadly, no. But there's a bunch more to see, so it's okay. A, 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 a veritable cornucopia of breast meats. <laughs> yeah, we're gross on this show. <laughs> it's part of horror. Boobs and horror go together like, I don't know, and tuna fish? <laughs> Uh, I do like that they found a way since the lipstick scene from the first one is so infamous to then figure out a way to use the lipstick to get involved in this story. Yeah, I mean, like, again, it's shocking how much this is a direct sequel. Like, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. expect that. You would expect it to just be, you know, a different group of people go to that house or something. But, yeah, it it all has to tie in. Yeah, I mean, I think like Noah said, it's, I mean, it's pretty much the same story. Well, uh, like, like I said, the rules and stuff are fucking consistent. It's it's weird. Hmm. Think of can you think of a single other horror movie franchise that makes it three movies without changing the rules? Um, no, because I sure as fuck can't. Like. I don't think there are any. No. Nowadays, it's impressive if a franchise goes three movies without rebooting. So, I mean, even even it's down to the point where every single movie, when the demons show up the first time, they're like, oh, what's that stink? Because they point out in the first movie that unpleasant odors are a sign of demons. <laughs> I wouldn't have caught that. Maybe I should have watched all three. Now that now I'm thinking, <laughs> that does sound like a good idea. Now, yeah. I've never watched them. I've seen all three of them before, but I've never seen all three of them like right together like that. It was just like, like I said, I was I was kind of blown away by it. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, they actually like whoever the fuck the script supervisor was on those second two movies did a really good job. <laughs> it's like, no, no, we got to keep it in line. Here's the things you need to do. And they're like, oh, thank you, script supervisor. I mean, and they don't they don't even change like there's the weird uh demon cow skull thing, dragon head. Doodad, you only see it for like a split second in this one. Mm-hmm. But it's in all three and it looks the exact same in all three. <laughs> hmm. yeah. Well, there you go. Consistent horror franchise. Everybody should uh it does look like he was the writer on both of the uh, the first and second Night of the Demons movies. The same writer guy wrote it. So that's probably why it's so consistent. It still blows my mind that they're six years apart and they were actually... It wasn't just reusing the title. 
Yeah, considering her sister is sort of the main focal point in this. And it's six years apart. I mean, hmm. you, you could argue that there's some problems there with why, like, her sister being six years later, would, it, it feels as though she would have been a little kid during the first movie. And hmm. Wouldn't have been as affected. But who knows? Yeah. I do find it fasc- it's fascinating that the the uh, An- Angela character is the same actress throughout all three movies, and that is almost the entire extent of her acting. Like she was in all three Night of the Demon movies. That's it. Well, why would you have to do anything else? <laughs> She's like, I'm set for life. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you climb to the top of the mountain. Might as well, just enjoy the view. <laughs> It's reasonable to assume that she has some other career where they just don't know that she did this. <laughs> I will tell you this. You know what I didn't watch? The fucking remake. Oh, you want to see Edward Furlong? <sighs> Your anti-Edward Furlong attitude is upsetting to everyone. <laughs> you have an anti-Furlong agenda, Noah. I, I have an anti-remake of movies that don't need to be remade agenda. <laughs> like, what value What value could Ed Furlong add to this franchise? It's a consistent-ass franchise with a bunch of boobs and good gore. Well, from what you guys tell me, Ed Furlong kind of has boobs now. Oof. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm just going off your descriptions. I stopped looking up pictures of him when you guys started telling me what I was going to find. I, I feel like there's uh, the potential for a horrifying scene of uh, Edward Furlong jamming the lipstick into his breast. <laughs> that would be so weird. I really wish we weren't talking about Edward Furlong's breasts. I regret bringing this up. Uh. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, the fucking nun, she's my goddamn hero. I love that nun. I know, isn't that funny? Like, that's the thing we forgot to mention. They're going to, like, a, a Catholic school, and it sounds like they're, like, it's, a, like, a troubled youth school, so, like, all these kids have some sort of problems, although none of them really seem like they do, except for maybe, like, one or two of them, but, um, but yeah, then the nun... Who you think is an old fuddy duddy ends up being a fucking badass by the end of the movie. Yep. She really steps it up when it need be. <laughs> they kind of go all lost boys at the end with the water guns and the uh, holy water. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, and then that's kind of a, uh, a Fright Night vibe I got from them, like cutting a. Is it like the hole in the shape of the cross that they cut to get blood in the sun? <laughs> like, yeah, all right. Sure, why not? Sure. Those are the worst things. Yeah, I was comfortable with them ripping off older movies because they were doing it in a fun way. <laughs> um, so I looked up this lady who played Angela. Uh, <laughs> she proclaims now to be an animal psychic. Oh, see, I told you. Other <laughs> she has written six books published all over the world uh, where she specializes in horses. She's a horse whisperer, apparently. And it's the first title of her first book is straight from the horse's mouth. How to talk to animals and get answers. Okay. Uh, uh, Further titles include the language of miracles, 
uh, Aurora's Secret, The Winged One, Soulmates with Paws, Hooves, and Wings, and Whisper from the Wild. You know what all those things sound to me? Demon possession. <laughs> Are you sure? Like when you said published, did you did you forget anything at the beginning? Like the word self and then hyphenated. Uh, I did not because uh, let's see, the first one was published from Crown Books, uh, Language of Miracles from New World Library. Now Aurora's Secret, the Winged One, and Soulmates with Paws, Hooves, and Wings are all from create space which would make them self-published and whisper from the wild was published by new world library in 2016 she's still going yeah says uh let's see her unique abilities have earned her interviews on over 400 radio shows worldwide and appearances on talk shows and new broadcasts all over the globe including carte blanche in south africa uh amelia's horse whispering gifts won her Client, uh, blah blah blah, silver, golden, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's the only ever psychic to be invited to Buckingham Palace to whisper with the horses of Queen Elizabeth. Jesus, <laughs> uh, imagine the queen is like, Who's coming to talk to the horses? What else, she, what else is she known for? We have these videos with her in it. Well, <laughs> one of those in. Oh! What happens? <laughs> Thirty-year-old woman playing a teenager. Uh, so let's see. Uh, she's the maternal niece of Rue McClanahan from Golden Girls. Nice. Um, let's see. Uh, when she, when not writing or teaching workshops in animal communication, she relishes her time behind the brush, the watercolor brush. She writes and illustrates whimsical children's books with pen and ink drawings and watercolor paintings. She studies life drawing, figure construction, anatomy, perspective drawing, and quick sketch at the American Animation Animation Academy under the watchful eye of the legendary Carl Nass, one of the world's most revered art teachers. Good for her. And every Halloween, she haunts Hull House in the search for souls. <laughs> uh, Time to edit yeah. her Wikipedia page. Yeah, she looks like a loony tune. Yeah, she sounds like the kind of person who was born rich and is able to get away with doing all this crazy shit, <laughs> but then somehow gets richer by doing all this crazy shit because that's how it, that's how it works in like the world. You just if you're born at a certain level, you just fail upwards instead of downwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, she was in a bunch of stuff before Night of the Demons, Night of the Demons movies. She was in. Uh, she was on an episode of Mama's Family. She was on an episode of Knight Rider. Oh. She was in Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. Oh shit. Uh, she was a dancer in Fast Forward. She was a dancer in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. She played the uh, super serious role of woman on an episode of Misfits of Science. Oh, I'm jealous if she was on Business of Science. I used to love <laughs> the show. Her being a dancer makes sense because I will say another consistent thing. Angela has the weird dance scene in all three movies. <laughs> all three. Nice. That was probably her way in. So you remember how I told you she was uh, Rue McClanahan's niece? Yeah. 
Well, apparently she was on an episode of Golden Girls, so that means her aunt like made some calls and was like, yeah, I'll get my niece to come in and do this. Uh, the role that she got to play, she's credited as hooker number two. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> nice to have people in power so you can get you high roles like that. <laughs> she was B. Arthur's niece. She could have been hooker number one. <laughs> uh, so then uh, she was in My Best Friend is a Vampire, which we watched yeah. before. She was okay. brunette and punk bar. So Oh, I remember her. Yeah, totally. And then she's uh she did Night of the Demons, and then she's uncredited for the role of dancer in Patrick Swayze's Roadhouse. Oh. I'm actually pretty jealous of her life now. <laughs> now that we've gone through it, like we started off making fun of her and at huh? the end of this, I'm like, she got to meet the queen, she got to meet Patrick Swayze. Her I aunt was on Golden it. Girls. Yeah. Looks like she had a run on Young and the Restless. And then uh, she did the last two Night of the Demons movies, and she decided she was done. To write some books about horse whispering. Well, all of her time in Hull House, she had developed her fantastic powers of talking to people's animals. <laughs> uh, well, if they why do I, can we get her on an interview? Because... <laughs> That would be fucking fantastic. She's written like a dozen books and she knows how to communicate with the queen's horses. No, she's not coming on this show. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, so we have one piece of feedback this week. Uh, Our good friend, uh, well, since it's Halloween season, he refers to himself as Terror Hote Kent. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> he, he sent us an email with the subject line trick or treats. Sucker. Oh, that means he's seen the movie. He's <laughs> laughing at us for watching it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and if memory serves, I think Kent just got married recently. So congratulations, Kent. Yeah. Uh, he said, Hi, guys. I was surprised to hear that you were watching the 1982 movie Trick or Treats. I remember watching this movie in college because it had Steve Rails back in it. Oh, I even forgot that was Steve Rails back. Um, unfortunately, it has too little. Peak Rails back can be found in Turkey Shoot, aka Escape 2000, and Private Wars. The only things I remember from the movie are the stupid ending and the kid yelling, Sucka! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brian, I agree that The Haunting of Hill House is very good. I just finished it up the other day, as did I, and I will be talking about it here momentarily. Uh, I hope more horror series are produced for Netflix, because maybe it takes a longer runtime to properly develop characters and atmosphere to make certain types of horror work. If you haven't watched the movie Open House on Netflix, I can't say that I recommend it. It's not very satisfying. <laughs> Looking forward to see the new Halloween this week. It has to be better than Resurrection. Happy Halloween, Terror Hote Kent. That's a low bar to set, Kent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you set that bar and you just step right over it. 
Um, I've actually seen Open House. I didn't mind it. The ending was a little what the fuck, but I thought the atmosphere was pretty good in that movie. I remember you talking about it and me saying, yeah, I gotta watch that. I, I never watched it. Yeah. It's... Like I said, the ending could be like, you could be like, huh, well, that was, what was the point of that? And I'd be like, yeah, I know. But, man, I feel like the atmosphere is good. They just could have stuck the landing better. Uh, but anybody else watch anything this week? Nah, I'll go first. No one. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you're man. Okay, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> um, let's see. I watched Annihilation. Yeah? Is from uh, the writer-director of Ex Machina or Ex Machina, which is one of my favorite movies to come out, but I never learned how to pronounce the title because they don't <laughs> say it in the movie. <laughs> which I really liked that movie. Mm-hmm. And then the trailers for Annihilation did absolutely nothing for me, but then I kept hearing people talk about how much they enjoyed it. So, so now I'm, I'm curious to hear what your opinion was. So that, that's exactly where I was coming from. Was like, I, I don't think I knew that it was the same writer director, or else I probably would have ignored the trailers for Annihilation. But I remember seeing the trailers and not being particularly interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so like. Basically, the plot of the movie is that Natalie Portman plays a former Marine turned, like, biology professor who's... Or she's not a Marine, she's Army. It doesn't really matter. Um, Her spouse is still in the military. He's been gone for a while. And he suddenly shows back up, and he's all fucked up. She doesn't know what's been going on. She ends up being taken to this base and there's some weird like almost like the mist some like giant wall of who knows what that's kind of been expanding outward and the military has been sending people into it to try to figure out what's going on and the people are not coming back with the exception of her husband who came back but he's all fucked up so she joins a team of scientists who are going to go in because they'll be the first people to go in that aren't just pure military to figure out what's going on and the main plot of the movie is them wandering in um, and exploring this I don't know what you call it um, this sort of mist area so basically when they get in there what they find out is everything is there's all sorts of weird mutations it starts off with like little things like uh, like plants that are growing but they have two different kinds of flowers on them little details like that uh, well it, First of all, it starts off with they wander in, they wake up. None of them, they have their camp set up and everything's fine, but none of them remember what's happened and they've all been in there for like four days. All of them just remember waking up that morning kind of thing. Hmm. And that's when they start finding these weird mutations. It turns out there are animal mutations as well, which multiple of them attack them. Um, They follow through, they find old footage that was uh, filmed by her husband's crew and yeah they figure out what's going on the explanation is kind of weird and science fiction-y and a little convoluted but they understand what's happened and then they got to try to figure out how to get out of there without getting killed by all the monster thingies <clears throat> so at the end of the day I completely understand why this movie didn't find an audience because it's mm-hmm. sort of weird and like head scratchy and it's told in like somewhat non-linear format there's a bunch of flashbacks to her and her husband and things like that 
but at the same time, when these various beasts and stuff attack, it gets pretty gory and violent. And for me personally, I'm down with that. I thought that was great, but uh, a lot of other people, I can see having a problem with you know, the type of people who would like your more slow burn, heady kind of science fiction movie, maybe aren't interested in watching a hybrid alligator thing attack Natalie Portman. I but per- you should be? Yeah, like personally, I thought it was, I thought they did a pretty good job of editing those two things into the same movie. Um, it kind of does get, it really approaches pretentious. It gets really close. Uh, but I don't think it crossed that line personally. That that line is going to be different for every person. Um, so I, if somebody came along and said, oh, this is pretentious art house crap, I wouldn't argue with them. I would just simply disagree <laughs> with them. I would say, I you're not trailers you, were pretentious. What's that? I said, I kind of thought the trailer was pretentious. Yeah. And, and, and look, it, it it would be, if somebody, if that's somebody's opinion of this movie, yeah, I'm not that surprised that that's your opinion. Um, but for me, it didn't cross that line. It came very close to it. And so it looked great, which is really helpful considering the type of movie it is. The acting is strong. Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. Uh, Benedict Wong plays like a one of the characters. He's uh, he plays Wong in the Avengers movies. For people who don't know who he is, so I I really liked it. Um, but I can completely understand how a lot of other people wouldn't. So I'm hesitant to recommend it. Um, yeah, it's 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 like Alex Garland is the writer director's name, and he's he does this type of thing really well this slow burn get to know the people get to know the world you're living in very slowly not a lot of heavy plot driven stuff um and you know x machina was like that too right it was two guys in a house for an hour and a half with some robots walking around but Mm. somehow managed to stay interesting and i feel this managed to do the same thing so Mm. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Ex Machina. Yeah. Is Ex Machina the proper pronunciation? Are you going on the record with that? Uh, Sure. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, I mean, but... They do Machina. Machina is the All right. correct pronunciation, but I don't know if it would change for any reason. I don't know. It's one of those, just those things where I'm just admitting I'm wrong before we get emails about it. So... <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I'll say that's the correct correct way to say it. All right. I will probably forget by the next time we talk about that movie. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, well, that movie wasn't weird enough. So oh, okay. I had to go weirder. Is this gonna be, is this gonna be an appearance of a Cronenberg movie? Uh, weirder than that. <laughs> Holy shit! Have you guys heard of Araminari, the blacksmith and the devil? Uh, I looked at it about five times on uh, Netflix, and I keep going, ooh, I gotta watch that, but I'm distracted with other things. I heard someone mention it recently, but I haven't seen it. So I I had no idea, and Netflix popped it up, and I'm like, that looks too weird to ignore. So I'm in. And uh, I was actually going in to watch some other horror movie, and I'm just like, nope, it's this one now. (laughs) So the basic setup of this movie is that during a war 
that I think you, I think it's I think it's a real war, but I don't know what it is because it's set in like Europe, and I don't understand European conflicts. Um, you know, in the fifteen like, hundreds or something, this guy basically sells his soul to the devil in order to get to go home and see his wife again. Gets home, finds out that his wife is remarried and or living with another guy, whatever, and has a kid, you know, kind of freaks out. I think he, I think, I think he kills the guy and then the wife ends up killing herself and he gives the kid to the local like priest or whatever to raise. Um, so then naturally the devil sends a demon to collect the soul. And he's like, fuck all that. I agreed to sell my soul thinking I was coming home to a happy life and I didn't get that. So you can't have my soul. Demon's like, yeah, too bad. So he captures the demon and locks it in a cage. So that's your setup. That's where the movie starts. Like all that is like where we learn that through, through dialogue, <laughs> because when the movie actually kicks into place is when the provincial government sends someone there to look for some gold that went missing during the war, and they think it might be in this castle. But meanwhile, in this castle is living this really badass blacksmith who fights demons he's got the demon who's now a main character in the movie locked up in a cage it's a guy in full prosthetic makeup head to toe um simultaneously the kid that is now grown up has some bullies take her doll and throw it over the fence so now she sneaks into the castle (laughs) and you get this really weird storyline that ends up with them all traveling to hell together so that this blacksmith can fight to save the little girl's soul and it's all very fucked up. And this, like I say, one of the main characters is this demon played by an actor in full prosthetic makeup walking around, just having conversations with people like that's okay. Um, it, the atmosphere is really weird because a lot of it is sort of feels almost kid movie like, like it's like a fantasy film. So you're, it's almost feels like a fairy tale, but then it's, like a rated R type movie when it comes to the violence and you got guys getting their feet trapped in these like uh, bear traps that are uh, spread out around this guy's property to keep people away from the demon. So in that way, it was a bit Pan's Labyrinth-y, not in a, not in quality. It wasn't as good as Pan's Labyrinth, but it had that same sort of feel to it where you're like, okay, we're following a kid and down a rabbit hole. And then when we get down there, horrific shit. Um, again, no idea whether to recommend this movie to people or not. <laughs> I'm really glad I watched it because it was fucked up. And for me, that's anything that can be completely unpredictable and weird and strange is good. I didn't anticipate the turn and where they actually end up traveling into hell. Picture like a bunch of people that are representing souls like literally walking to the gates of hell and being divided up into like okay you go to the third ring of hell you go to the fifth ring of hell depending on what you've done wrong the demon literally gets demoted for his from his job because he wasn't able to bring back the soul that he was sent to collect (laughs) so you have another demon show up and literally tell him he's being demoted and you no longer work in this section of hell you work over in this section of hell Hmm. Uh, there you go the makeup on the demon is really, really good, especially like on the close-ups on his face and stuff. 
not not as great when you're seeing his full body because it looks the tail looks a bit cheesy. But some of the reactions from the other characters when they come in and see like a literal devil trapped in a cage are pretty entertaining. I thought. <laughs> Seems like that would be a little startling. Yeah, yeah. Especially like you know when these are characters from the 1500s or whatever, and they're all like super Catholic. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the movie I watched. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have any thoughts in response to that or not. But it's, no, the movie visually looks great. Um, the performances are a little weird because it's like I think it's in Spanish, but it's been dubbed. Mm. The Netflix version has been dubbed, so that kind of throws everything off a little bit. Yeah, I couldn't remember if I had heard about that one and remembered. Like, I've heard about it, but then I couldn't remember if the the thing I found out was if that was from the director of that movie Baskin that we did on the last Horrorcast. Oh, uh, I never looked into that. It's not. Uh, turns out he did a movie called Housewife, which is out right now that's kind of getting people talking about it as being really fucking weird because, of course it is, because it's from the director of Baskin. Yeah. So I just didn't know. I'm like, oh shit! Like, is he? Did he watch the one from the director of Baskin and not even realize it? And I'd be like, that would explain why it's really fucking weird. But that wasn't it. So, well, and this is like, like I say, because of the fact that there are children characters in this, and it's sort of more fantasy than it is direct horror. Like, it has a very different atmosphere than Baskin would have. Like, it's not nearly as dark. Yeah, um, but hard to kind of. I, I, it was literally like I remember as I'm watching the movie, thinking, "How am I going to describe this to somebody?" And I don't know because I'm like, "How am I? How am I going to explain to them like what it's like to be watching a movie, going in blind, not knowing, and then all of a sudden there's just a demon trapped in a cage, and they're fucking, they start torturing the demon at one point." And I'm like, "Well, is this like a kids' movie?" And that's like we're going to learn, but things from the kids' perspective. No, nope, they're um, no, nope, they're like stabbing the demon through the cages just for fun because it's fun to torture demons and it's like the guy and the kid are like bonding over how they torture the demon which seems mean but whatever (laughs) it does seem mean (laughs) I mean he's a demon he's not even a demon that's good at being a demon that's why he gets demoted (sighs) it's a movie about uh, workplace politics that's what that is. That's what I should. That's how I. Should, that's how I should have just left it. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a fantasy film about workplace politics. Uh, you guys watch it. Let me know what you think. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it to people who are just looking for something weird and different because that's what it is. That's what I was in the mood for this week. Obviously, so. yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, I don't know. I, on, a, on a slightly more normal front, I watched. The Goldbergs because Robert England showed up as Freddie. Oh Cole. yeah, as did I. I mean, it wasn't good, but it was Robert England. No, yeah, it's kind of how I felt too. Like I've never watched a single episode of The Goldbergs, and after watching this one, I don't know if it's something I would watch every week. Yeah, like, I don't. Uh, I don't really watch sitcoms anymore. I've mm-hmm. kind of just walked away from that whole concept but the goldbergs is one that is occasionally on like while i'm folding laundry or something and i just need something on the tv it seems to be on a lot so i've watched a few episodes and i generally find it kind of funny and i'd say the same about this episode it was kind of funny 
Well, I guess my question to you is, is the dialogue always that fast? I felt like there was like no breath between one sentence and another. I was like, Jesus Christ, they talk like super fast on the show. Yeah, yeah, and yes, it's always that fast. All right. That's my response. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like it, it certainly doesn't feel very real. And someone told me that if you watch all the episodes, it doesn't make any sense because they stuff that happens like on in not proper chronological order. If you were actually alive in the eighties, not sure remember when various movies came out. Mm. So, but I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just going off what I was told. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, like you put Robert England in the makeup, I'm gonna show up. And yeah. So I watched it, and then I read the interview where he basically said that, yeah, he'd come back to play the role one more time if he was given the chance, and I got all excited about that possibility. Let's hope it happens. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah. the episode was okay. Uh, could have used more Freddy. Apparently the showrunner said that uh, they actually filmed a lot more with him, and they're trying to get the network to put out like a special edition episode where they could then have all the extra stuff in it, but... I don't understand. If you get Robert England and you get him in the makeup, mm. it should be more than a cameo. Like, why go through the effort of doing that just for this? Especially and, from what I read, it was still like a three or four hour process to get him in the makeup. Yeah, and the makeup doesn't look great, but it no. doesn't look that bad either. No, me and Amanda uh, attributed it to a TV budget, and then that it was probably not lit very well because again it's television and not yeah. film so and i mean yeah. there was there was issues with the way he spoke and everything too and i treat that all yeah. they're probably rushed he probably like they didn't have proper writers not to say that there's not yeah not that there aren't good writers on television but they're not the people who write for freddy krueger so they had to kind of edit his lines in to the way they speak on that show mm -hmm. And yeah, like I would have preferred, I would have preferred personally to see it as like more of a, him being more true to the original Freddy, but you know. Yeah. yeah I try, I also tried not to let my nerd rage, uh, uh, hamper my enjoyment of it because even from the previews, I'm like, well, if they're talking about the first night on Elm street, he didn't have the full striped sweater. And the makeup they're using looks more of like a Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or 4 type makeup. But I just had to be like, yeah, that's nerd nitpicking. So I'll just I'll just not say anything and just let it happen. Yeah. And, you know, again, I was just super happy to see Robert England. Oh, me too. That's all, that's all it came down to for me. Yeah. I, it if it gets him in another movie, then totally. It was completely worth it. Yeah. Well, he... What's going to get him in another movie is the success of Halloween this weekend, which I know we're going to talk about yeah. later. Um, that is a good point. So Finally going to make Warner Brothers blow some dust off the franchise and be like, ah, we should do something with this again. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I can't see how they're not going to reboot a bunch of old horror stuff, and if he's making those comments publicly, he knows that too. That's the way I look at it. A good point. Uh, so the other thing I did, uh, the other television I got caught up on was the the Eli Roth show with Eli Roth, where he talks about horror movies. But uh, what's it called? What it's called? <laughs> the History of Horror. Yeah. Yeah. So I went ahead and got caught up on that. Um, mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's good not, for what it is. Yeah. It's it's 
probably not a great thing to recommend to people who listen to this podcast. I mean, because it's really not very in depth. No. Um, it's almost more of an introductory to horror than a history of horror. That's how I would talk about it. But like put it this way, they do two episodes dedicated to slashers. They bring in Jamie Lee Curtis and they end up saying a lot of the same stuff I said when I talked about Halloween last week or whatever it was that I talked about. They started literally discussing the same scene I talked about. Yeah. They don't say anything more in depth than what I said. And I'm not particularly smart. Like you'd think if you had Jamie Lee Curtis in there, you'd do a little more research and ask some better questions and get some more insightful discussion going. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fine. It just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the fact that Eli Roth is sort of the face of it, but I don't I, care. I don't have anything against him as a person. Yeah. I just think he's kind of, he's kind of douchey. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I do enjoy like, <laughs> For years on my old DVR, I had those like, what was it on Bravo? Like the hundred scariest movie moments. And oh. I would just like throw that on just to have something to watch while I was doing something because I kind of just enjoy those countdown type shows. So this is kind of in the same vein, but it's very, uh, I'll say it's for the normies. Like all the people that are really into horror could like rattle off like, five much more interesting things than what they're talking about but you know yeah like when they did the episode about zombies and it's like they or like george romero came up with the idea for zombies like we know and then they like they go through each of the movies and we're like you're not no like (laughs) we own all those movies and yet it's weird because it's on late at night on amc you're like i'm like everybody watching this knows everything you're saying you're presenting it as if it's new information but it's not Mm -hmm. like the yeah the deepest dive on slashers they go to is like Candyman. Like it's like, it's like <laughs> maybe this is one you haven't watched in a while. Like that's, that's <laughs> it's weird to me that they would take the time and effort to produce this show and get these people there and then do this. But it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's it's like I said. It is what it is. It's it's not going to change your life or nothing. But sometimes you just want to hear people talk about some of your favorite movies and that's pretty much all this is yeah yeah so that's yeah that's it for me i know we're we're gonna we're going to discuss halloween sort of at the end of the show i think so that we can do it yeah build. yeah we just have a full-on discussion and i have to worry about spoilers so if you haven't seen it then you can uh skip on or you know pause and come back later or you know whatever uh what'd you watch noah uh, well, I watched the other two. Dad, uh, it's demons, but that's obviously. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would say the first one's definitely the best, and but the second one is awesome for all of its own reasons, and the third one, while not as good as either of those two, is is a perfectly like fine, shitty sequel. You know what I mean? Like, there's lots of horror movie franchises have a have a stinker in there. You still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a solid point. I mean, yeah. it's like Friday the 13th 5. I don't like it. I'm going to watch it if it's on TV. <laughs> I'm going to wish I was watching one of the better ones. But I don't. Did you ever hear the fan theory about Friday the 13th Part 5? Mm-mm. That really holds no water, but it's kind of just fun to think about. That uh, So, of course, it turns out to be Roy the ambulance driver, which, spoiler alert, from a movie from 19... 19- 
85 or 86. Uh, and that they it's actually... Mother, it's the fat kid's dad. Yep. Uh, which they actually... The, the fan fun fan theory is that they actually ended up burying Roy in Jason Voorhees' grave. And that in part six, it's actually Roy that comes back to life and then murders everybody for the next five movies. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and that's that's how they explain away the fact that Jason was said to have been cremated in part five and yet has a body in part six. Yeah, something like that. All right. Like, really, if you think too hard about it, it doesn't make any sense. But it's why, still yeah, just why, like... Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah. But it's still just like, oh, that's kind of fun. Just... No, it was never Jason. Roy came back to life, and Roy was pissed and killed everybody. I like the idea that Roy's family was like, they still wanted to honor him, even though he would become a serial killer. So they're like, well, his last wish was to be just like Jason, so we'll put Jason on the gravestone, bury him. (laughs) Uh, It's ridiculous. Uh, So yeah, Night of the Demons 3. Continue on, Noah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a little... uh, There's a couple things that are a little different, like... In the first two movies, everyone that turns into a demon, you know, just is demony looking. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this running gag in the third movie where they're all wearing costumes, and when they turn demony, their kind of costume affects what kind of demony thing they turn into. Mm. Like there's a kid with a devil mask, and he turns into a weird Satan demon. And a chick that's wearing a cat costume and she turns into a horrible cat demon thing. But it's consistent. It's, uh, like you said, it's not as good. It's got its moments. But it's it's fine. If you're going to watch the other two, you might as well watch the third one. Yeah. That's what I have to say. <laughs> if you're only going to watch one, I would probably watch the first one. Mm. But you have to in order to get the setup for all the rest of the series. Well, I actually, you don't. Because they all provide the setup all over again. <laughs> right down to there's a stream underneath the walls and keeps the demons contained. It, it was before the internet. They just assumed that you wouldn't have access to all the movies. But yeah, it was good. And then the, pretty much the rest of my time besides going to see Halloween was dedicated to uh, I'm trying to get through Daredevil Season 3. Yeah, I haven't started it. Vincent D'Onofrio back as Kingpin, and oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, and and I'm glad that it's it's lots and lots of Kingpin. I was worried that it was going to be this, like each episode you get like five minutes of Kingpin or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's a good 50-50 split between Daredevil doing his thing and watching Kingpin kind of building his empire. But I'm all, I am now on the last episode. I have one episode to watch. So, How do you feel about uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage getting canceled? Pretty fucking sad. Uh, like, I kind of get Luke Cage because I feel like they had a hard time finding their rhythm, and even though I liked it, I totally understand why other people might not like it. But Iron Fist, if they were going to cancel it, they should have canceled it after the first season, because the first season wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. The second season was really, really good. So I just, mm-hmm. it's its odd that they go, oh, look, we found a formula that works. Let's cancel it. Do you yeah, think, I- though, that it's clearing the way for a Heroes for Hire se- series? 
No, I think it's no. clearing the way for Disney streaming service. That's the impression I get too. Is that because I mean the argument I heard somewhere else on the internet was if they were gonna do Heroes for Hire, why wouldn't they have canceled these shows on the same day and announced that show that day? Right, like that would have been the thing to do. So, and my understand my other understanding is that with Nick, uh, sorry, Luke Cage. They were actually they had writers working in the writing writing room getting the season ready, and they fired them. As part of this. So I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. Yeah, and part of the weirdness is typically when this type of stuff happens, you get all the like videos of the cast and crew and stuff like doing their goodbyes and shit. And I haven't seen that from either one of them. Now, I don't think we necessarily are gonna never see these characters again. I could see them doing guest appearances in other shows or something, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah, they're they're winding down their Marvel affiliation at Netflix. See, and I had heard that um, that wasn't necessarily the case. Like, why they got canceled? Because apparently, it was a Netflix decision and not a Marvel decision. Well, I heard. See, I've heard both. I heard on uh, Luke Cage. That sounded an awful lot like Marvel came in and told him to shut it down. And then Iron Fist, Netflix decided to shut it down. Hmm. But I don't, but who knows if it's true? It's all just fucking. Yeah, no idea. Well, the other thing is, I don't don't know all the details, but Netflix has acquired some of their own comic book rights. Oh, yeah, because they got all the Valiant stuff, right? Yeah, so they're going to want to be pushing that, right? They're going to want to be putting their time and effort and money into that to combat Marvel when when Disney streaming service kicks in. So they're not going to want people... like They're, they're going to be having to make decisions over what to make. They're going to want to go with stuff that's not going to help anybody else. That's direct competition. But who knows? It's also like entirely plausible that we're all wrong. Maybe this mm. is just this is just because somebody had such a good idea for Defenders season two that they have no choice but to rush it. I don't know. Yeah, from what I've read, I think the Defenders is still on the bubble. They're not sure if they're even going to do another one. Uh, I, well, and the, the weird thing with Netflix is they don't release numbers about anything, right? Yeah. So we have no idea what other mm. like no one. I both sit here going, "Well, they got season two of uh, of Iron Fist right." I agree. Like, yeah, it was good, but if nobody watched it, who cares if it's good or not, right? At the end of the day, you don't you don't reward quality or reward people actually sitting down and watching it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because they you know the argument is that ratings aren't real, which I kind of agree with that. Ratings aren't real. Ratings are weird sample groups that I feel are targeted to very specific audiences in the first place. But with with a company like Netflix. You have to find some other metric. And what the fuck is the metric? Well, with Netflix, though, their version of ratings is who watched, is how many people watched this, and they know exactly how many people watched it. They have that exact correct number, right? Yeah, but I would, I would argue how many people watched it is irrelevant because it would have to be new subscribers, right? It would have to be how many people joined to watch this thing. Combination of new subscribers and maintaining old subscribers and... <clears throat> They've got some logarithm worked out that does that math for them, right? It's, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's good. They've got to be thinking like, okay, so if 
the same people who watched a certain type of series also watched this one. That means that they know they can attract that type of an audience by putting up more of that series. I don't know. They got it. They they must have a way of using the numbers. They don't tell us what that way is. But it can't simply be new subscribers because then they'd never do a season two of anything, right? Like, who subscribes for season two of a series if they never watch season? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows? You're a very mysterious Netflix. Also, keep in mind, Netflix like never makes money on anything except for convincing other people to invest in them. So that's their main <laughs> way of making money, is finding people who think they might make money in the future and say, okay, give us some money now, and maybe you'll make money in the future. That's their There's business. A lot of that. That's the whole modern economy. It's really weird. Like The biggest companies in the world don't have products or sales. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like the slightly less evil Uber. Oh, it's a lot less evil than Uber. <laughs> I mean, Uber basically has the same exact thing, although their entire business model is cutting prices so low that they want to put everyone out of business, and then once everyone's out of business, they will have a monopoly and can raise prices as high as they want. Yeah. And they've been accused of a lot of other shady stuff, too. So, Oh, yeah, they are shit people. Like no, nobody, nobody accuses Netflix of like, in, like driving their own actors into poverty in order to help make a little bit more profit for themselves. Uber may may have been accused of that multiple times. Yeah, there's. We're not the podcast to listen. Go listen to the Dollop episode about Uber if you're curious. They get they get right into it, and from what I can tell, those guys are pretty reliable. Uh, what else did you watch, Noah? Uh, I. Th- I think that was it. I'm trying to rack in my brain. Gotcha. But I don't think I watched anything. Well, I started watching Big Mouth season two. Oh yeah, that's another thing I have to get to. It's not as it's not as good as the first season, but I'm not all the way through it. And I was talking to somebody at work that watches it, and they said you got to wait because they're kind of like setting up a big second half of the season. So I was like, all right, well. It's still funny. It's weird and crude, and there is a weird scene of two naked children dancing, and it's like I I, I had a whole conversation with Shar about it, where I can't figure out if it's okay or not. Does that make sense? <laughs> because it's drawings, right? It's not real, but they're children in the show. And yes, the voice actors are grown people, but in the show, they're children. Very small, mid-pubescent children who are drawn as butt-naked in a uh, very graphic way. Is that okay? <laughs> like, like, seriously. Because it seems pretty fucking gross to me. Like, I, I was actually legitimately a little fucking put off by it. And I don't get, like, super offended by things. But that took me right to the edge of me almost going, okay, I can't fucking watch this show anymore. <laughs> yeah, I have no comment on that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. Right? No, it's, yeah, it's messed up. It's, I mean, legally, it's adult actors and cartoon people, so you're fine. But I don't know if that makes it okay or not. 
I because I, 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 I just think I, I think there's this this weird thing in the back of my head that says, you know, somewhere there's some fucking pedophile that just saw this and went, ooh, I got to rewind that. Yeah. But there's there's another word for pedophiles that are attracted to cartoon characters as well. There's probably a special word for that. I don't know what it is. And a, and a pedo something. I don't know. No, I don't. Why. But but still, you you know what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah, it's... It's it's evocative in the wrong fucking way. I think that's the best way to put it. I would prefer if they never did something like that again on the show. I right. don't mind them joking about the sex and stuff, but actually drawing naked children is weird. So according to the internet, schedophilia or tunaphilia is the idea of defined as sexual and romantic attraction of a human being towards a cartoon or anime character. Alright. So, petoscanophilia. Schedophilia or tunophilia? Tuna. I like tunophilia. Tunophilia just sounds like yeah. somebody who fucks a tuna salad sandwich. Uh, the condition is a form of something else called fictophilia, the attraction to fictional characters, both animated and human. Okay. Well, there you go. Internet has all the answers. And, I don't know. I tried to watch the first season and just could not get into it after a couple episodes. So, really? man, the fucking hormone monster is so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, comedy is the most subjective thing in the world, though. Whether something's funny or not is just a, simply a matter of opinion, generally speaking. Oh, for sure. Like I was saying, I'm, it, I was just like, yeah, this doesn't do anything for me, and I just stopped watching it. All right. Um, well, I guess the only thing I really got to talk about is I finished uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And that show's awesome. That's what I keep hearing. I, I really yeah. need to get to it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, episode 6, I'm sure. I don't know if people have heard. You've heard people talking about episode 6. Um, probably some of the best modern filmmaking I've seen in a long time. Really? Uh, the first 15 minutes of the show is done in one take. Uh, and there's lots of, like... I'm sure if you could look like an overhead shot of while they were filming, there's lots of moving parts that had to had to happen to make that work. So yeah, and most of the episode is done in long takes. So it it doesn't gel together to make it look like the whole episode is one take, but there's lots of like long, like 10, 15 minute takes in the episode. And it's all done really well. So apparently there is an online sort of behind the scenes uh featurette on youtube but i haven't watched it yet um but yeah i just i love the storytelling i love the the filmmaking as i just talked about and uh the story the story is really good i uh it's because it's much more of like a family drama than anything else and then there's a shit ton of ghosts and stuff thrown in so over like 10 episodes you get to know this entire family and like what what happened to him lived in this living in this haunted house and how it fucked up everybody's life as they got older and it's uh yeah it's uh really good i highly recommend it if you ever get a chance to watch it yeah it's on my list i gotta get to it i have a feeling i went through it in two days so uh i have a feeling that uh you'll probably be the same way except you got you got a kid to wander after so you can't just yeah, yeah I'll, just, I'll just stay up to like three in the morning watching 10 episodes of Haunting of Hill House. 
I can do that. It's just that at 3.30 when he comes crawling into my room, I got to try to drag him back down the hallway to his own bed. I did have a parenting moment that you guys would have appreciated the other day because he kept, right. as, as he was supposed to be going to bed, I was sitting in the bedroom, my bedroom down the hall, knowing full well he was going to get up out of his bed. So I was just flipping through the channels, looking for something to watch for five minutes while I waited for him to come back down. And the <laughs> Army of Darkness was on. <laughs> so I'm watching Army of Darkness, and the kid keeps running back down the hall and running into my room and sitting down and trying to watch with me. And I'm like really torn because I'm like, I know it's important that he gets a good night's sleep, but I also know it's important to raise him with an appreciation for Sam Raimi's early work. So... <laughs> Do I drag him back to bed, or do I let him stay up and watch Army of Darkness and just see what happens there if you let a two-year-old watch that? But he was really interested in it. Well, I would say I would say out of the four movies in three seasons, Army of Darkness is probably the best one for him to watch. It's the most kid-appropriate of the movies. I yeah. When he asks what pillow talk is, you can explain it to him. Yeah, no problem. That'd be that'd be the easy part. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Go ahead, Noah, and tell everybody what we're talking about next week. Uh, so next week we're going to be talking about uh, Demon Seed, a super creepy, weird, dystopian AI movie that kind of starts out a horror movie and ends up a fucking weird 70s sci-fi movie. Uh, and possibly my most favoriteest fucking movie of all time, Split Second, which kind of does the opposite and starts off as just a weird dystopian sci-fi movie about a detective and ends up being a horror movie. And who does it star? Rugger fucking Howard. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had to talk about Rugger Hauer, otherwise Noah would be disappointed. It's been so long. We have so many Rugger Hauer movies in the list, too. And you guys just pick around <laughs> and you hate me. That's correct. <laughs> the only reason why we're doing this one is because they finally got a good scan of it, and it's on fucking Amazon Prime for the first time in history, and that's amazing. Split nice. second, and if... If you're people at home that are interested in it, watch it now because the last like however many fucking years, if you didn't have it on VHS, it was real fucking hard to get your hands on it. So have you watched it already or are you saving it for this episode? I actually specifically did not watch it, even though I really wanted to, <laughs> so that I could have it fresher in the brain for you guys. Oh wow. I just figured uh you would have watched it like five times. <clears throat> oh my god. I kinda want to. Girls of Everest.